Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 27. There's not much better in this world than, for me, than sitting around a fire. I love sitting, like, in the woods, camping, in my house at the fireplace, or in the backyard, fire pit, and that kind of thing. Uh, Like, when my family and I go go camping, and that kind of stuff, I just, I love whenever it starts to to get dark. You can light a fire during the day, but it's just, like, cooler at night, right? Um, And you you, you light the fire, and you get to just sit there after you've spent, like, an hour trying to get it to actually be a fire. Um, And then... uh, (laughs) All the adults, all the adult men in the room know what I'm talking about. It takes forever to start that thing. Anyway, uh, so once once it's lit, I love just sitting there drinking coffee or whatever um, around this fire, enjoying that. Uh, but with my family running around, I've got three little kids. My six year old Emma is extremely curious, and so if she were she she hasn't done this thing. Well, she may have actually tried this, but like if she were to try and like walk up to the fire out of curiosity and stick her hand in the fire. As a good dad, I would just let her, right? Right, I mean, you got to learn stuff for yourself. Learn it the hard way, right? No, that's not at all what a good dad would do, and that's not what I would do. I would run as fast as I could. I would, like, pull some, like, weird ninja Batman move or something, and that'd be real fun because I'm fat. But, like, I would pull whatever move I needed to, whatever muscle I needed to pull to try and keep her from, like, playing with that fire because I know the damage and destruction it could cause. Right? Does that make sense? In Matthew, Jesus, in Matthew chapter uh, 5, 27, he's actually, we're right in the middle, uh, or sort of toward the beginning of one of the longest uh, written down messages of Jesus called Sermon on the Mount. And he's going through all these specific things um, that often people see as like moral uh, sort of commands and, and that kind of stuff. But what Jesus is doing here is he's stepping in as that, as that father figure saying, look, here, here are things that will cause so much damage that you need to stay away from. But in their proper context, they're awesome, right? Things in proper context, like fire, is awesome. But as soon as you get outside of its intended purpose and its, its context, it becomes so destructive. Let's see what, what he's talking about here in verse 27 of chapter 5. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust, uh, lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better uh, that you uh, lose one of your members than that your whole body go in to hell. He's, he's talking about the seriousness of the marriage commitment. This covenant commitment that is marriage. Like the seriousness of that. Like we all kind of understand on, on like this core level that cheating on your spouse is really terrible. Like if you do that, you suck. Right? I mean like we get that, right? So like imagine you've got a boyfriend and you've got a girlfriend and they... Uh, they go to the movies with some of the opposite sex just alone with them. Nothing happens, but they go to the movies with that person just alone. You're going to be mad, right? You're going to, like, kick down some walls or something. Uh, you're going you're gonna to, like, I don't know, I'd be, I'd be real mad. Like, so even, even on that level, like, we get that, like, something, there's something to the you know, commitment whenever it's broken. That's a big deal. And then Jesus is coming here. He's talking about, like, the seriousness of 
marriage and how, how big of a deal it is that even, like, we, we all get that, like, adultery, at, at like, cheating on your spouse is, is a terrible thing. It happens, sadly, way more than it, sh- than it should, which means it should never happen. But it happens. But we all know that it's wrong. We all do. And so we look at this rule and go, like, oh, well, cool. Like, where you guys, I'm not married, right? Like, I've, I've not done that. I've not cheated on myself. Don't have one of those, right? Uh, and that kind of thing. But Jesus, like he, if you were here last week, we talked about anger. In the Sermon on the Mount, the thing that he continually does is he drills into the heart of the matter, which is our heart. It's the intent of what's going on here, not the act. So he's, he's talking to a Jewish audience who is very much into legalism. Legalism, this following a checklist of rules, like I've done this, and you know, the, the Ten Commandments were like kind of the pinnacle. Like if you were following the Ten Commandments, you were a good person. You were, pro- you were probably getting into heaven, right, because you did these good works. You followed these rules. And so he's talking to his audience. He says, hey, you've heard this rule, but I'm telling you it's much more than that. It's about much, much more than just this rule. It's about the intent of your heart. It's about your relationship with God. You can follow the rule your whole life, but if you've missed the relationship with God, then you've missed it all. And you can also, we also know that like, like the one he talked about last week is anger. He was like, you've heard it said that if you commit murder, yada, yada, all this stuff. And he's like, but it's, but when you commit, whenever you're just angry at a brother, that's when it, that's whenever it really becomes the problem initially. Because, you know, we'll all go like, well, I've not murdered anybody, but the whole time you're just filled with rage and anger and consumed with that. You didn't break that rule directly, but you still are full, full of anger. In this same way, he's saying, look, just because you don't cheat on a spouse, cheat on a boyfriend, girlfriend, any of that kind of stuff, still having your heart and your mind consumed with lust is a big deal. It's just as big of a deal as it is to actually break that one, you know, one of those Ten Commandments. You guys want to hear, like, a super embarrassing story about me? You want to hear a super embarrassing story about me? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I'm getting embarrassed already. Um, so, I was in middle school uh, one time. It was a long time ago, but I was in middle school one time. Is my face turning red? Anyway, um, I was in middle school one time, and uh, it was pretty much the worst. But, no, uh, so I was in middle school. When I was in middle school, we didn't have, like, smartphones or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and in my house, remember, I, those of you who know, been around here some of my stories, I, like, I grew up in the swamp. And so, like, I didn't get a computer in my house until, actually, I may have been, like, in ninth grade. I actually was, like, early high school. Uh, we got a computer. We went to, you don't even, do you, have any of you ever heard of Gateway Computers? The company doesn't even, like, I don't even think they exist anymore, right? There was a whole store. Like, we went to a Gateway store in Mobile, Alabama, and bought this, like, ginormous, like, computer thing and uh, brought it in our house. I'm pretty sure my phone now is way more powerful than that thing was. Uh, <laughs> it was nuts. And we had dial-up internet. Do you even know what dial-up internet is? No, no. So it was, you're, you had this modem, you had this, this, like, thing in your computer. It literally used a phone number and dialed into the internet. It was Stupid slow. Like, you imagine, uh, like, right now, if you, if you, like, go to a website on your phone or whatever, and it takes more than, like, five seconds, you're like, oh, my God, right? Like, you're just, like, freaking out. It's taking too long. A dial-up internet, it would take, like, a minute, right, Ron? It would take forever for a website to load up. So, about the same time, uh, there was, uh, you guys ever heard of Britney Spears? 
Yeah, yeah, okay. She's, she's had like four careers now. I'm not sure. Uh, but when she first hit the scene, I was in middle school. Britney Spears, she was awesome. Middle school boy, thought she was awesome. But I actually bought her album because I loved her music. She was beautiful, but I also loved her music. And so I bought, I bought her CD, which is part of the embarrassing thing, but it's not the most embarrassing thing you're about to hear. Uh, <clears throat> so I bought, uh, bought a Britney Spears uh, CD, and on it, it said she had a website. And so I was like, sweet, I have the internet now. Let me go dial this thing up. And so to connect to the internet, you didn't just like click the browser and like you're on the internet. It was like this whole process that took sometimes like five minutes for it to like dial in and connect to the internet. All the older people in the room were like, yes, I remember that. It was terrible. Uh, but also way simpler. <laughs> uh, anyway, so finally dial into the internet. And so this computer, I, I forgot to give you the setting here. We only have one computer in the house, and it was in my parents' bedroom. Okay, so if you want to do anything on the computer, you had to be in my parents' bedroom. Uh, and so, which was very smart on their, on their end. But uh, so I'm sitting there, type in brandyspears.com. Boom, hit enter, begin the waiting process of this web page to load. <laughs> my wife's dying right there because she knows what's about to happen. Uh, so I'm waiting for this page to load. And about the time that it fully loads and I see what's happening on the screen, my dad walks into the room. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes you misspell things. Sometimes you misspell things. So I had, mis- I had misspelled Britney Spears' name, and it loaded a porn site. <laughs> it loaded a porn site. <laughs> At the exact moment, my dad walked into the room, and he goes... Honest to God, this is a real reaction. My dad walks in the room and goes, what are you doing, right? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> We're just like both freaking out, like yelling at each other. And he's like, why are you doing this? This is my bedroom. What are you doing? I don't know. I just melted into like this puddle of tears. Uh, <sighs> it was extremely embarrassing. I'm like red, right? I'm red, right? Yeah, yeah. Extremely embarrassing. <laughs> the internet is a terrible place. It is a terrible Terrible place. I mean, terrible. We finally figured out that, I mean, he, my dad finally believed me um, and, that I wasn't, like, intentionally trying to find porn on the internet uh, and it just misspelled. And so I've not gone to a single musician's webpage since. It's uh, <laughs> scarred me. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's not, it's not the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened in my life, but it's up there. Uh, it's up there. You see, my encounter... With misspelling Britney Spears' name uh, and experiencing porn was, was a complete accident. But, uh, and it's kind of funny. But pornography itself is a very serious issue that is prevalent in our culture right now because it doesn't take four years to get there. And you can do whatever you want when you're in your room with your smartphone by yourself at midnight, right? You can do whatever you want. Guys and girls included, uh, the, the statistics say, like, that it's this disease that is plaguing our entire culture, even you guys. I know, even some of you guys. See, but when we think of lust, we often start there, right? Like we think of things like pornography, physical, like actually physically desiring somebody. But lust, lust is actually so much more than that. I know that was really funny, and I know this is like a really awkward like thing at first, uh, but I think the reason it's so awkward is because we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about these, these sort of things. And I think the reason we have so, much, so many issues with this particular subject is because we don't talk about it very much. If you come on Sundays, this is just a coincidence that I'm talking about this the same time that Pastor starts like this whole series on Song of Solomon. Complete coincidence. But um, see, but lust, I think often when we, we, especially if we use a verse like this, girls, 
you guys like check out because you're like, oh, well, it says dudes and you think of lust as like this physical like desiring of another person. And for girls, that's not typically the case. It is for some, but it's not typically the case. And so you guys like check out of this message. But, I, but what I want you to understand is that, is that lust is actually, it's actually replacing God's, God's plan for intimacy in your life with your own selfish desires of intimacy in your life, whatever that means, whatever your definition of intimacy is. Lust is when you're, when you're taking God's plan, God's design for intimacy out of context and subjecting your own in there. And so whatever it is that you desire, whatever it is that, that causes your mind to be captivated, whether it's for that person to pay attention to you, for them to say nice words to you, or if it is actually physical, all of that falls into this category of lust, this desire after your own definition of intimacy, your own thing that that you think is going to make you happy or fulfill you instead of what God has planned. And it, it comes outside of this context of marriage. Even in marriage, lust is still a problem. It's still very much an issue. And so Jesus is saying, hey, it's, you know, it starts here at this rule, this base rule of like, don't cheat on your spouse. But then it goes so much deeper, so much deeper, even to when you're in middle school, you're not married yet. That's why he brings it away from just the, the marriage thing and brings it straight into lust because it's in our hearts and it's our minds and it's this desire <clears throat> after intimacy in our own way instead of God's way. You see what captivates us, what captivates you is ultimately what you're going to think about most and what's going to drive your life most. Whatever that is, whatever actually captivates your mind, whatever captivates your heart, is what you're going to run after. Even to a point that it gets, that it gets to lust. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be physical. And we, and we often, like I was saying earlier, we often think, well, my issue is not like as bad as that person's or it's not like adultery or any of that kind of stuff and so we just brush off we just brush off our stuff as it's not that bad but what jesus is saying is the intent the intent of your heart is what ultimately matters the intent of our heart is what, what ultimately matters and if we if we don't get a hold of those selfish things those desires that captivate our mind they'll consume us they'll just continue to consume us and this issue is important because this is like i said earlier this is the longest like written down uh, message that we have from Jesus. And it's this list of what he thinks or he knows is the most important topics, not the only important topics, but the most important topics for us to understand um, how to interact with and how to live our life with. And in that list of most important topics, we should understand is how, how intimacy, intimacy is, is supposed to work and how we're supposed to fight against that lust of intimacy our own way instead of God's way. When I was in, when I was in high school, my best friend, <clears throat> his name is Brian. Actually, he's still one of my best friends. Talked to him video conference call last night. Um, he and I hung out with this guy named Derek. I don't know. I think I occasionally share stories about Derek, but I can't, I can't think I've shared one in a while. Or I don't, can't think of one. But uh, often we'd hang out at Derek's house, and usually it involved fire. 
but not like in the proper way of using fire. Um, and I won't go into all of them because I don't want to give you too many ideas. But this particular time, we were playing with butane. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, it's a flammable uh, liquid that's uh, fun to play with. And so one of the things that we would do often, again, not too many details, uh, is, well, I didn't usually do it. I usually just watched Derek do it because, but I would antagonize him. So he, was, he would take the butane and he'd run it up his leg and you would, you would light it and it would it burn so quickly and it's really the fumes that burn. So it wouldn't actually burn him. It would just run up and you would like hold it in your hand. There's too many details. You don't need to do that. Uh, but uh, he was wearing jeans. This is a liquid, flammable. Jeans are a cloth that soak in liquids. Anyway, he was, he was playing with it, did it a couple times. It was funny. And then all of a sudden his entire pant leg is consumed in fire and he's running around the yard going, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. He's like kicking stuff and he ends up like on the ground, like rolling around. He's still alive. Um, so uh, he's rolling around, ends up taking his pants off, and he, now he's like pantsless, standing in the yard. Oh, what just happened? I mean, my friend Brian, good friends that we are, we're just rolling around laughing on the other side of the yard, right? Like, we don't help him. Why would you help him? He's just being consumed by fire. It's fine. Uh, and so uh, he, he, he was fine. He didn't like have any like third degree burns or anything. So it's, that's why I make fun of him now. If anything serious had happened, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make light of it. But we were, we were just stupid teenage boys with our, like, pea brains and didn't, like, think fully. There was, like, all kinds of stuff that we did that with. Uh, I won't share any of those other stories at the moment. Um, so fire, fire outside of its proper context can cause damage. For Derek, thankfully, it didn't cause any permanent damage. But, like... Do you guys have seen, have you guys seen any of this stuff in the news about all the, like, the wildfires? Listen up, everybody back in. I know that was funny. That was funny. Um, looking back up here. All these wildfires, like, in, uh, on the West Coast and stuff, all these, like, miles and miles of, of forest being consumed and people's homes being consumed. You know how those giant fires get started? There's, like, the one guy who did, like, the, the gender reveal thing and, like, wasn't thinking and blew something up in the air, and then the sparks, like, blew over into an area and caught it on fire. So it, it often starts like this. Somebody is using fire in its proper context initially, and they either leave it unchecked, unwatched, or they don't take care of it properly the way it's supposed to in that context, and then one spark moves over to a place that's extremely dry, catches fire, and before you know it, miles and miles of forests and homes are just consumed and destroyed by this fire. This started innocently, right? started in this little bitty like hot coal or a little bitty spark, and it just leads to so much destruction. You see, left unchecked or overconfidently thinking we have it under control, Lust and sin in general, but lust especially, can start with a spark so innocent and spread out of control when we leave it unchecked or we think we've got a hold on it of our, of our, our own accord. We're trying to like battle it out ourselves, But so quickly, it gets insanely out of control and, and leads to so much brokenness and destruction. It consume us. <clears throat> it can consume us. If you look at the culture right now, if you look at American culture around you, like everywhere you look, on some level or another, there's something, there's something about sex, right? Like there's uh, one of like the main mottos in marketing is sex sells because they know that even just like hints of it, the, the, for whatever reason, the way we're created, like it just, 
can draw us in and consume us and lead us to do things that we would never otherwise be doing. See, the thing I want you to know and understand, though, is that God, God created passion. God created our need and desire for companionship. And so what I'm talking about is not like, um, I'm not saying that it's bad to like another person or want them to like you back or any of that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is whenever that in proper context gets out of context or is left unchecked and we let that captivate our minds so much that we're consumed by that thing instead of God, it leads to so much brokenness and leads to so much that's outside of what God has planned for us. See, when so many times whenever we do, the, you know, culture tells us, to go after whatever makes you happy. Go, go after, uh, you know, whatever, you know, brings you fulfillment. Do whatever um, makes, you know, help, you know, makes you feel good. Do all that kind of stuff. But in the end, all the stuff that we think makes us feel good or, or meets our selfish desires, they, they always fall short of what we were created for and how we were created to be. And they leave us empty, hurt, and broken. Every time. Every time we chase after stuff that just helps us feel happy or feel good, it all falls short because it's all based on earthly desires and earthly emotions instead of things eternal like God. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, God created, God created us with this desire for companionship, created us with passion, in the context of Adam and Eve, right? I mean, like chapter two, there's a naked dude standing there writing poetry about this naked lady he just saw, right? I mean, like God created this, but in the proper context of their marriage, that was great. But when that gets outside of marriage, we allow these things, this, this lust or this idea of intimacy run wild. That's not what God has created. It consumes and causes brokenness. And it all boils down to that selfishness, right? And from the beginning, like Adam and Eve, made the selfish decision to consume the forbidden fruit, right? Which then allowed sin and evil to enter the world from that moment on. Selfishness after selfishness after selfish desire begins to consume our thoughts and leads us away from what God had created for us. <clears throat> Outside of context, it creates so, much so many problems. So there's an Old Testament hero named Joseph. Any of you heard of Joseph, right? Like, the main story you think of with Joseph um, was him being sold by his brothers, right? Jerks. Um, into slavery and that kind of thing. But at one point in his story, he's in this guy uh, named Potiphar's house. He's actually number two in charge of this guy's house. Uh, his wife, terrible person, just spoiler alert, um, finds Joseph very attractive, tries to get him to sleep with her multiple times. Uh, and he, man of God, also respectful of Potiphar, uh, continually says no, continually says no. But he finds himself in a situation, though, where they are alone in a room, and she, once again, tries to get him to sleep with her. So much so that she had a hold of his outer garment, like they called it a cloak, his outer garment. And you know what Joseph did? He ran as hard as he could out of that room, so much that when she was holding on to his outer garment, he still had, like, other clothes on. It was just like a coat sort of thing. So much so that he ran out of that and left it there and ran out of the room. Like he was trying to flee this temptation and sin so hard that he ran 
out of his jacket, trying to get out of there. Now, if you know the story, she lies, gets him in trouble, he gets sent, in pri- uh, sent to prison, but ultimately God honoring Joseph's desire to run away from sin and to honor him and to live according to the way he's supposed to redeems him and rescues him out of prison and puts him in, in an even higher position. See, Joseph is really a prime example of how we should treat all sin, specifically lust in our lives. You see, the, the only proper response to temptation, whatever it is, remember, doesn't have to be physical. Any temptation, the proper response is to run, is to turn and run as hard and fast as you can away from whatever it is, leaving behind whatever you need to to get away from that sin because it will consume you and it will leave you empty and it will leave you broken. And we don't just run aimlessly. Joseph was running for a place of safety. He was running somewhere away from temptation and danger into a place of safety. And for us, maybe it's not always a physical running, but there's always got to be a spiritual uh, element of running away from temptation and running to safety, which is to God. We don't just run aimlessly to something else to get away from something, but we run specifically to God. We're running away from things. And what did Jesus say? Whenever we're faced with temptation, when we're faced with these things, in the verses we just read, what did he say? If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Then he goes on and he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Jesus says, if there is something in your life causing you temptation and causing you to struggle and constantly fall into sin, something that's pulling you away from him, that's pulling, that's pulling you into separation from God, you have to remove it from your life. Now he's it's being exaggerated here, at least I kind of hope. Uh, being exaggerated here, you don't have to like, please don't like go home and be like, oh, JJ said I got to cut my hand off now. And like, like don't, don't do that. That's not the point of what Jesus is saying here. Because what Jesus is saying is there are things, there are things that we need to remove in our life. And I think a lot, for a lot of us, cell phones, social media, immediately some of you are like, I'm out. I'm checking out, right? Whether you want to admit it or not, for most of us, myself included, for most of us, some of the biggest temptation, whether it's lust or whether it's wasting time or whatever it is, some, one of the biggest temptations for all of us is, for those who do have them, uh, are the devices that we're left alone with in our rooms at midnight and can do and say whatever we want on social media, seeking approval of others, or any of that kind of stuff, all the things that we have access to on those. And what I'm saying, quite literally, is that maybe for some of you, you need to get your parents to go to Kroger and buy you a dumb phone that just makes calls so that you can remove the smartphone from your house and not allow that to be a temptation in your life anymore. Some of you need to delete your social media accounts. But how will they know that I made the duck face? I don't know. Do it in real life for all I care. But for some of you, social media is that thing that needs to be removed uh, from your life. Other times, peer pressure, what, what others think of us, cause us to do the same thing. We allow 
what others might think of us. Maybe that, that boy who says he loves you uh, and so he tries to talk you into doing things you shouldn't be doing, any of that kind of stuff that leads us down a path of temptation into things that we're not supposed to be doing needs to be removed from our life. Boyfriend, girlfriend, best friend, any of that needs to be removed from your life. If it's a source or a catalyst for temptation and sin in your life, it has to be removed. You won't ever really get victory over any of that if you're not running to God and away from whatever those things are that cause those things in your life, whether it's popularity or whether it's actual physical lust or any of that kind of stuff. Whatever it is, you have to cut it out of your life. That's what Jesus is saying. When we take sin seriously enough that we're willing to give up all of these things that bring us joy and happiness to get away from sin, that's whenever we're actually running the right way. When sin is so serious in our life, when we realize that we have allowed ourselves to chase after intimacy outside of its context and not what God has created us for, whatever it is, the source of that has to be removed from our lives. <clears throat> I want you to also know this before I wrap up here in just a minute. God does not hate you. Everybody looking up here. Everybody looking at me. Because I think often this particular uh, subject, and we're talking about sin uh, or any of that kind of stuff, we preachers often like rail against the sin, rail against the sin. And culture has done such a good job of making this stuff personal that you think that you're actually being attacked. In reality, what's happening um, is conviction, something you need to move away from, but God does not hate you. You guys understand that? God hates anything and everything that causes you hurt and shame. Anything that causes you hurt or shame, God hates that and wants that to be removed from your life. He wants you to run away from those things. A lot of people look at Christianity from the outside. They look at these, command, these commandments and stuff, and they say, well, that's, that's a prison, man. Like, you're, just, you're living by all these moral things, and you're not really living life to the fullest and doing all these things. And they try to, they, they, they try to make God look like the enemy Say, it's unfair for you to have to do that and not get to experience everything you want to experience that makes you feel good and happy. But in reality, all of that stuff leads to emptiness and brokenness and shame. Because it's all selfish and it all leads us to, to people around us who in, in the drop of a, of a hat would leave you alone and broken Instead of us chasing after a God who says he will never leave, he'll never forsake. You see, like, like Emma, my oldest, with that fire, I would do whatever it took to keep her from being hurt by that fire. I wouldn't let her, like, stick stuff in it, set it on fire and wave it around the air, uh, like, being crazy because it would hurt her or other people around her, right? I wouldn't let her just stick her hand in the fire because it would do damage to her, right? In the same way, God's saying, look, I know that this stuff leads to brokenness and destruction in your life. And so when I say don't do this stuff, it's not because I'm trying to limit your freedoms. What I'm trying to do is help keep you away from brokenness and shame and hurt in your life. So you can choose to be, to, to see it in a negative way that God's limiting you or I, but what he's really trying to do is give you the life you were created to live in relationship with him, stuff that isn't dragging you away from him, stuff that's not leading you down to brokenness, but to life that is full and fulfilled 
by him and not the stuff of this world. He wants us to be captivated by him and his love for us, not the things of this world. So are you letting your mind <clears throat> run wild with selfish desires instead of it being met by God? What captivates you? Things of this world or God?